saved, repentance, grace, mercy. We use those words a lot as Christians, but do we really know what they mean? Thank you for joining me on episode 42 of the Week on Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Jenneman, just a regular gal trying to help people know that they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. And in order for us to really understand our uniqueness, it is important that we get to know our God. The more we get to know God, the more we get to know how we were uniquely created. And today, journalist, author, and minister Janie Pitts help us dissect words that Christians use on a daily basis, but we really don't know what they mean. Join us as she dives deep into these words and describes her book, Deeply Defined. Welcome back to the Unique on a Purpose podcast. I'm Rachel Jenneman, and I'm here with Janie Pitts. Janie, we're traveling all the way to Hopkinsville, Kentucky to visit you. And I think everybody's going to realize that you are from Kentucky because of the southern twang that you have going on. I love the, the, the twang. I love the charm. Janie, you're a wife. You're a mom. You are you have a journalism degree, but you but you're not a journalist by profession. Correct. That is correct. That is indeed correct. All right. We'll have to get into that in in a little bit. But you also have a master's in religious education. You've been working in the church world with your husband for 15 years. And you are now the author of this new book, Deeply Defined, which we are going to get into in a little bit. Janie, I wish that I would have had this book 23 years ago. Uh, I became a Christian. I'm a first generational Christian. There was just so much that I didn't know that I really kind of had to learn along the way. And But even reading your book, I'm finding that, wow, as someone that I can now say that I'm a seasoned Christian, cleared up a lot of maybe some confusion for me. But before we get yes. into that, just tell me about who you are and I want to hear about that journalism degree. And and then what prompted you to write this book, Deeply Defined? Yes. Okay. So I actually ended up living in my hometown, which I never thought would happen. Mm-hmm. I grew up here in Hopkinsville. And then when I was 18, um, I went down to Birmingham, which I guess gave me even a bigger Southern draw. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, that's where at Stanford University I got my journalism degree. And I was, I was headed into the journalism field until I was 21. And until you were 20? Until I was 21. Oh, 21. Okay. Yes, 21. And I worked at a camp. It was a it was a Christian camp, and I got called into the ministry that summer. Mm-hmm. And it was very very clear to me that that is the direction I was supposed to go. But I was headed into my senior year, and so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to keep my journalism degree. I'll add a religion minor, and then I'll get my master's from seminary. And so that's exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. And that journalism degree has helped me so much, just in writing talks and Bible studies and you know, articles here and there, and then obviously this book. So I went I went to seminary with journalism under my belt, uh, got my degree, and then uh, started in youth ministry. And I was in youth ministry for a while. Took some time off uh, when I had my kids and then stepped back into it. But now I am the missions. I'm over anything missions in my church, and mm-hmm. I love it. 
I've been doing that for about three years now. Uh, before that, I did youth uh, at this church, so that was fun. I, I, I joke and tell people I finally outgrew youth camp. So, nice. <laughs> you know, that's what happened. But I actually, this book started out when I was in youth ministry. I wrote a series for the kids that I called Defined because I realized that there were words that we used all the time as Christians, mm-hmm. but when asked about them, we couldn't explain. Yes. Grace, mercy, holiness, things like that, that if if you said, well, what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. I usually got the answer of, well, you know, and then they would say, like, no, I don't. I thought, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, we need, to, we need to know what we believe. If, yeah. if we're going to be deep in our faith and be deeply defined mm-hmm. by our faith, we really need to know this. And so it was going to be a six-week study, and I had parents starting to come in. I had college students starting to come in, and what was supposed to be a six-week study turned into, I don't even know, 13, 14 weeks. The whole series exploded in the most beautiful way, and finally, after about 13 or 14 weeks, I thought, guys, we got to move on. we We need to move somewhere else. But after that series, this would not get out of my head. And I eventually felt the Lord saying, Janie, you need, you need to write a book. You're equipped for this. You've got that journalism degree. You've got a master's from seminary. You need to do this. Because a lot of times I think people don't look deep into the Greek and Hebrew because it's scary for people if you don't know where to look. Or and it's a lot of it, work. It and it's a lot of work. It yeah. is a lot of work. And I'm a, a little bit of a Bible nerd, so I think it's a blast. I love <laughs> digging into it because it's like digging for treasure, you yeah. know. But a lot of people, I thought, I need to make this accessible to the masses because mm-hmm. this is stuff that we need to know. As Christians, we need to be deeply defined by who God says we are and who he is. Right. And so that's why I wrote the book. I, it took two years. I wasn't in any hurry. A lot of times he would wake me up about four in the morning. And, I, and I'm not an early riser. I'm mm-hmm. very much not that. And I would wake up about 4 a.m. And I would write until 7 or 7.30. And the majority of the book was written that way. Wow. So it's just kind of a, it's, it's been a really fun ride. Mm-hmm. And learning all of these words has really deepened my own life. It's deepened my prayer life. It's deepened when I sing worship songs. When I read the Bible, I, I read it differently and deeper. I mean, I didn't have a seminary degree, but before this, it really has taken me closer to, to who God is, and mm-hmm. I've loved it. Mm-hmm. And the thing with, you know, the show's called Unique on Purpose, and I think we the, the best way we're going to find out our uniqueness as Christians, the way God created us, is we need to get to know God first. The better we understand God, the better we'll understand how he created us and then how we are to be unique as individuals. And that's one of the reasons why I like this book, because I think you're getting to know God more deeply and go into why you picked some of the words that you picked. I mean, did you just come across people that didn't know these specific words? What was it? 
Well, it's kind of a, a mix of reason why I picked some of the words. I knew that I had to start out with holiness, which, by the way, was the most daunting word. Okay. <laughs> because how, how do you find God in his holiness when he can't be defined? Mm. And so I needed to help people understand the vastness of holiness, but at the same time, help them understand that we're never going to completely get it. We, yeah. we are created. We are, you know, limited. God is not created. He has always been. He is unlimited. But it is important that we understand that concept because we are called to be holy as he is holy. Mm-hmm. And so it's super important that we understand that word. And so I had to start with that. And I knew grace and mercy because those are words that Christians throw around. We throw that around like candy from, you know, a, a float in a parade. That's we, true. we use that all the time. I probably right? hear those two the most out of any other Christianese words. Yes. And then there were some words that in my research popped up that I just thought were cool as grits. Mm-hmm. And like the word glory. Did you just um, say cool is, as grits? Is that what you just said? Yes, <laughs> I did. That's a southern thing. Cool as grits. <laughs> oh my! All right, we'll keep going. Just tick tuck yes. that in the back of my mind. That's awesome. <laughs> now, see, you can talk about this podcast and tell people it's cool as grits. It's cool as grits. Yes, it's cool as grits. So, but there, so some of the words I did just because we use them a lot. Some because I felt like it was imperative that we understood, yeah. and then some I just really thought were interesting. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the word gospel is has such an interesting etymology, which is just a fancy word to say where a word came from. Mm-hmm. But it's so interesting, and when we understand where it came from. I think it enlightens us and helps us be more excited mm-hmm. about what the gospel actually is and why we should share it. Yeah. I think, too, if you've been in the church long enough, these are just words that you naturally say all the time that become a part of your Christian language, or as a lot of Christians would say, Christianese. Um, but I worked in children's ministry for a long time, and I caught myself using a lot of these words. And finally, I looked at the kids. I think I used the word saved in a kid's lesson one time in kids church. And I finally looked at them and I said, do you all even know what saved means? And they're looking at me and they said, no, we have no idea. And here I've been using it this whole time. And they've probably, you know, these kids were on this earth for eight to 10 years and have heard that word saved their whole life, but they had no idea what it meant. We just automatically assume that people know what that means and i think we automatically assume unbelievers know what a lot of these words mean when i became a christian someone walked up to me shook my hand and said congratulations on getting saved and i said what does that mean i had no idea and right (laughs) and it would be so great if we could just take this book to a new believer say okay, yes, you you need to start reading the Bible, but you're going to come across some words you're not going to understand. So here's this one that you can reference. Yes, (laughs) this will help you decipher. Right. Well, in this book, it really, it's for kind of two different types of people. It's for that person that's been a Christian for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And like you said, uses these words so much 
that we assume that everyone knows what it means. And we even assume that we know what it Mm, means when we may or may not. Mm -hmm. And then also, like you said, for newer Christians. So if you're a teacher, if you work in children's ministry, youth ministry, if you work with adults, if you you just have friends that you want to share the gospel with, this is this is a great book, and also if you're a new believer, hopefully this will help help you understand scripture in a deeper way mm-hmm. more quickly. So let's take apart some of these words, and I like how in the book your introductions are very simple, and you're able to relate what those words mean by what you're talking about in the introduction. But let's talk about holiness. You said that's what you start the book off with. What exactly? is holiness. You hear that expression yes. from non-believers, oh, well, they're just holier than thou, but I don't even know if they know what that means. What's, what is holy? Right. And and I think, you know, the word holy and even the word piety now, which is not in the book, but uh, both of those can have a really negative connotation. And mm-hmm. I think it's just because of society today. Yeah. But holiness in the pure form in that biblical culture form, in who God is and what it truly means, holiness is being separate, above, and in God's case, above. In our case, we're just outside of. But God is separate above and beyond us in knowledge, in in everything, right? Mm -hmm. But yet he chooses to reach down and interact with us. Mm -hmm. He is the creator we are the created, mm-hmm. and he is all-knowing. We are limited in what we know. Mm-hmm. So he is this awesome being that has always been, that is separate above and beyond us. But he doesn't, he didn't create us and say, hey, good luck with that. Right. He, since the very beginning, we see him reaching in. He walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. He dined with the elders of Israel. He he spoke with Paul. Jesus came and walked around and showed us how to live and died on a cross. He's, and then even after Jesus went back up to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to come inside of us to never leave us or forsake us. So God is separate above and beyond us in every way that we could ever imagine. But he reaches down and interacts with us out of his love and I just think that's a beautiful picture because when we understand that and we understand his holiness we can live in awe of that and that fear of the Lord draws us close to him Mm -hmm. rather than to run away from him Mm -hmm. because that fear you know has a double meaning as well I think when we're afraid you know I'm gonna I'm afraid of a lion I fear a lion I'm gonna run you know Mm -hmm. you're on your own if if we both see a lion you're on your own but if I fear the Lord I want to draw close because I know that he wants to reach down and interact with me that the God of the universe that it created Mars is a personal God and knows how many hairs are on my head and wants to interact with me. Mm-hmm. That is mind blowing, mm-hmm. and it and it's beautiful and it makes me want to know Him more. Yeah, that fear. and it also. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that fear of the Lord is a reverence. Is more yes. of a reverence, yeah. Yes, and when we understand how God is holy, 
I think we can translate how we are supposed to be holy. Mm. We obviously are not above and beyond anyone else. I mean, right. we're created like the next guy on the street. Mm-hmm. But to to live a holy life is to live separate from what is worldly. Mm-hmm. But yet we are supposed to reach in, in in a kind and loving way and help people in the world mm-hmm. because that's that's what we see God doing. So that's when we understand how He is holy, we can understand how we are supposed to be holy. So I think it's it's a super important word. Yeah, no, that's really good. Okay, let's move on to. I really liked your chapter on grace and mercy, and I think it kind of convicted me in a way because I do exactly what you say in the chapter, and I just flippantly throw it out i throw them together forgetting that they are two separate words that they are not one in the same so when you hear somebody talk about grace and mercy what exactly do those words mean and what are the differences well first of all i think grace and mercy are two of the most beautiful concepts that have ever been created Mm -hmm. they are especially when you look at the biblical hebraic culture of where the words came from and what they mean, it is just mind-blowing. I, it took five chapters in the book to talk about grace. It's just so big. And when I was writing about it, I kept crying because it's so overwhelmingly beautiful mm-hmm. and humbling that this perfect God would, would interact with me yeah. like he does. Mm-hmm. So the word, the word grace in Hebrew, okay, so it's important that we understand the Hebrew language in the Bible. There's only about 8,000 Hebrew words in the Bible that are used. Ancient Hebrew, one word would mean like 15 different things, which is cool, but it also helps us get visuals. A lot of it comes from action words or physical things for the meaning. So the Hebrew word, for grace is is called hen. It looks like chin, but it's hen. It comes from a word called hanan. And it's the idea is a loving father bending down to help a hurting child. Mm-hmm. It's this idea of kindness from a superior to an inferior. Mm-hmm. It's this steady, steadfast love that is not going anywhere. And it's this unmerited favor that we can't earn it's just freely given Mm -hmm. and it's really important that we understand that grace is about the person who is giving it Mm -hmm. not about the person that is receiving it Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of times we think we have to earn it but Ephesians 2 tells us you know it's by faith you've been saved it's through it's by grace you've been saved through faith not works and so when it says by grace, it's that picture of God bending down and loving us and then us responding to him in, in faithful love back. And so we see this relationship in, in the idea of, of grace. The, the Greek word for grace also gives us kind of a, a different picture, but it's a, just at a different angle. It's that which affords pleasure or joy or charm. And it actually, in the Greek, evolved to mean an actual gift Mm -hmm. that you would give to another person. 
And so you can take both of those, the Hebraic concept and that, that Greco-Roman concept, and put it together and see how we got our word for grace. Actually, in the Greek, the word is charis. It looks like charis, which is where we get our word charisma, mm-hmm. which is kind of a neat thing. Charisma and grace tend to go together. And another thing, when I was defining all of these words, it, this was one of those really cool discoveries that the Greek word for grace and the Greek word for joy come from the same root. Mm. And so when we don't live in grace, when we don't live in that steadfast love and, and giving giving people the, the benefit of the doubt, I love you anyway, knowing that God is telling us, I love you anyway, mm-hmm. then we can't live in joy. Yeah. Because grace and joy go together. They're very much related. And it also is important for us to us to understand that grace isn't about us it's about the giver Mm. so when we when we receive grace from the lord we did not earn it at all it is that unmerited not earned love and favor but it's because of god's character not Mm -hmm. our character Mm -hmm. but in, in the book one of my favorite theologians is Diedrich Bonhoeffer who was just a rock star he was a German dude and he lived um, during the time of the Nazis and he actually got killed by Hitler in a concentration camp at like three days or four days something like that before it was liberated so but he was just this amazing man of God and he really goes into the concept of grace he talks about cheap grace and costly grace And I think a lot of times when we don't understand what grace is without knowing it, we live in what he calls cheap grace. And Mm -hmm. cheap grace is this, it's grace, it's God loving us no matter what, we just assume it. Mm -hmm. Or we demand it, well, God will give me grace, so it's okay. Or even from someone else, you should give me grace. Mm -hmm. But it's that cheap grace is forgiveness without repentance. People don't feel like, they have to confess a wrong. They are just owed grace. Mm-hmm. It's it's living the way you want and ignoring what God says. It is it is people that live in cheap grace. I think don't understand what grace is. Mm-hmm. They don't understand that it's all about God. It's not about them. It's mm-hmm. about God giving them something, and then when it's their turn to give it. It's not about that other person. It's about them and their character yeah. and how they're going to share it. And that's why it's costly mm-hmm. because, like, it's costly when we accept it. We live in that covenant relationship with our Creator. It's, it's living the way He wants us to and not the way we want to. It's, it's not earning it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not living because you have to earn it. It's this thankful love reciprocation to God because we understand that out of his grace he sent his son to die so that we wouldn't have to so and sim- it's just this beautiful concept so simply put the grace is what's given to us and then the mercy yes. is what's withheld from us well yeah okay so mercy is God withholding what we deserve okay 
So mercy is, and the word mercy is so cool. In in Hebrew, it's uh, hesed. And we don't even have a counterpart in English. We have to use like five words to describe hesed or to describe mercy. Because Mm -hmm. people, when we say mercy, I think we just think of the game, you know, the hand game where you try to pin somebody down and you're hurting and you cry mercy, you know, and, and you let go. But mercy, it's loving kindness, it's forgiveness, it's love, it's grace, it's all rolled into one. It's this undeserved favor from the superior to inferior. One thing that's different between mercy and grace is that mercy presupposes a relationship before one is there. Mercy explains that verse, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's mercy. That's the definition of mercy, okay. whereas mercy is, is, is given to us. Grace is something that we can respond to. to. Mm. Mercy is so big. The only way we respond to mercy is, is to lay down and say thank you because it is so undeserved. It is so uh, such a gift, whereas grace, we get to respond back by living in, in costly, costly grace and living that relationship with our creator and not blowing it off. So taking that word mercy, when people use the scripture, his mercies are new every morning, then what does that mean? Yes, I love that verse. His mercies are new every morning. It means that we have we have been forgiven. Mm-hmm. We have been washed clean. Mm-hmm. We have a new slate every morning mm-hmm. to where we can wake up and try to serve him. Mm-hmm. We, we wake up with mercy so that we can live in grace. You know, that mercy is who God is as well as the lens that he sees us through. Mm-hmm. So when we say his mercies are new every morning, it's talking about that he is this kind, loving, forgiving, gracious father that wants that relationship with us. Mm -hmm. And he is a superior to us and we are the inferior. And he has chosen not to, you know, zap us with a lightning bolt because we were jerks the day before. And so those mercies are new every morning. And then we get to respond to that by living in grace. Okay. Now let's move on to some different words. The word repentance, I feel like I know what that means, but it's funny how I encounter other people that don't really fully understand what the word repentance means. Yes. Well, and you know, confession and repentance need to go together. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those, there's a couple of chapters in the book um, of confession and repentance. And I was super worried about it because they're kind of early on because the flow of the book demanded that they be early because we had to understand that before we could move into living in grace and mercy because you really can't live in grace if you haven't confessed and repented. Yeah. That's that's cheap grace, which is not even real grace. It's mm-hmm. not it's not a thing. We think it's a thing, but it's not. So confession and repentance have to go together. That confession is like if you confess your love to someone, you are you are telling them, look, I am in agreement with who you are, and I and I love you. Or if you confess a wrong, you're saying, you know what, you were right. What I did 
it was wrong. Mm -hmm. And so when we confess to the Lord, it, it is out of humility and it is out of brokenness that we go to him and confess. But we can't confess and then keep doing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could, but why bother? Save your breath because right. it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Do you have that confession? And repentance is confession lived out. Mm. And and the the Greek word for repentance is really cool. It's it's metanoe, and it's meta means change. And then the last part refers to the mind. So it basically repentance is changing your mind or your thoughts or your perceptions or the way that you act. And so when we confess and repent, which by the way is super important. We need to do it daily, and people just don't like to talk about it because it means that we're focusing on kind of our dirt every mm -hmm. single day, but when we do that, to go back, to circle back to that grace and mercy, man, when we work in a time of confession and repentance every day in our, in our prayer time with the Lord, we experience that grace and that mercy in a deeper, in a more deeply defined mm -hmm. way for us. So that repentance, that turning around and, and changing of thoughts of mind and action and attitude, it is so important. And, you know, God doesn't, he doesn't expect us to be perfect, but he does call us to be obedient. Right. And for us to blow that off is, again, to go back, it's living in that cheap grace. Mm -hmm. So that confession and repentance is super important that we understand what it is, and then that we practice it every day. Mm -hmm. No, I like that. And then I have one more word that I want to, I want you to define for me. It's a word that us Christians use a lot, but I don't know if we fully understand what it means, and that is the gospel. Can you yes. just pick apart the gospel for me? Yes. And I think this is one of the, the cooler things that I found. I think when I was reading it, because, you know, I had to go to, like, libraries and things to, to find all the books and resources that I used. I think out loud, I was rather loud and was like, no way! You know, because <laughs> everybody kind of looked. Because it's so cool. Mm -hmm. um, I had always heard that the word gospel was just the good news. And that's great. Yeah. Right? The good news, that's great. And then people may even go further in. Well, it's the good news of what Jesus did on the cross. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's great. But we lose the power of that word. If we go back into first century culture, which a lot of the things that I deeply defined in this book are from that first century cultural lens. Because I think when we can see the Bible through that, it helps us understand a lot of the idioms and things that are said, again, in a deeper way. Because the 21st century is pretty different than that first century culture. Yeah. So back in first century times, they would go to war with each other. And they would go out. And we even know uh, with David and Bathsheba, it said in the spring, it was the time that kings went to war. But mm -hmm. King David stayed home. And then, of course, he got in trouble <laughs> with right. Bathsheba, which is not good. But, so we know that the, in the springtime, it's like football season. There was war season. So they would go out to war, and let's say that you conquered your enemies. You would send one guy back to the town with a message of 
Basar was the word, B-I-S-A-R, Basar. Mm -hmm. And that message was a message of victory. If you lost, you would not send a message of Basar. Uh, actually, you'd probably be carried off to whoever you lost to. But this guy would be sent back with his message of Basar, and it was a message of victory. And it was delivered with joy and excitement mm -hmm. and this triumphant cry of, we won. And that's victory. Mm -hmm. Well, that word basar, also, that concept of basar was also found in that Greco-Roman culture. But it was, it was a different word that also meant victory in battle. And that word was evangela. I can't even say it. It's a big, long word. Mm -hmm. But it, it evolved to just mean proclaim. Mm -hmm. Instead of proclaim a victory, after a while, because you know how words change through the years. Right. So it, it evolved to just mean proclaim. And then that's when it turned in evangelion, which is the word that most people stop there. They stop with the Greek and they don't go all the way back to that Hebraic first century culture, that bizarre word. And then it, that evangelion meant proclaim. And then it turned into English, which was Godspell, which was just to proclaim a story about a god. And Godspell went to gospel. Mm -hmm. So the the way that that word kind of changed, we really lost the heart of the meaning, which is victory. Mm. And so when you're reading the Bible and it says something about good news, you need to read that. If it's in the Old Testament, I guarantee you the word used is basar. Mm -hmm. And that word basar is victory. And read it like victory because when we share the gospel with someone we're sharing we're not victory. just simply yes i think we think oh we're just telling about jesus well that's great but why don't you share the victory mm. of your life how mm -hmm. he defeated sin how you get to live in grace how he gives mercy new every morning how he promises that he'll never leave us or forsake us how yeah. he is a god that walks with us through the good times and the bad, that is victory. Mm -hmm. And that is huge. And I think when we when we understand that, it gets us more excited to share who Jesus is. Right. Because everybody loves being on a winning team. Mm -hmm. And I think we just take it for granted sometimes. And we forget that he's defeated sin. He's defeated death. He's defeated evil. And he can do that in our lives when we submit to him daily. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so funny because I'm listening to you talk and it's so simple, but it's so deep at the same time. So I guess perfect name of the book, Deeply Defined. Uh, but I can I can find your book on Amazon. You're also on Instagram. Anywhere else I can find you. Are you on LinkedIn? I'm not on LinkedIn. I am on Instagram and Facebook. Official Janie Pitts on Instagram and then just Janie Pitts on Facebook as well. Okay. But yeah, you can get, also, I have a website. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's a catchy name. It's JanyePitts.com. All right. Uh, but when I, the, the book, I really want the book to be a tool for people. Mm -hmm. And in the back of the book, there's actually definitions, so you can keep it with your Bible. So when mm. you're reading, because there's only like 50 words. I don't, I don't even know how many, but I know it's more than 50. And so if you're like, oh, I don't remember what that word means, just flip to the back of the book. Yeah. And, and that way you can make a note in your Bible as to what it means. But also on my website, there are six free Bible study guides so that mm -hmm. you can do this book 
as a Bible study with your friends because I think it's a book that is great to be talked about. It's, yes. I want people to have this information and I want it to to deepen, to deeply define them and I want it to, to change their lives in a, in a beautiful way. So yeah, you can absolutely read it on your own or you can do it as a group and use those free guides. That's what they're there for. And it's important for us to know all of those words, what the meaning is, so we are getting to know our God better. And the better we get to know God, we get to know ourselves better. This stuff, I, I mean, I know in in the church realm, not just even in the Christian realm, and in, in pastoral realms, we use huge words like theologian and hermeneutics and all of those things. And, and that, yes. can, that can scare somebody away, but those are things we need to know as believers. It, it, it's not just for pastors or just for missionaries or that theological professor. Like, it's for all of us. We need to know these words, understand them, so we can get to know God better, and then we get to know ourselves better. Yes, and and that's why I wrote this book. I wanted, because, I mean, this book will make you laugh, it'll make you cry. There's tons of stories. It's not just information. And I really did want to take deep theological concepts that make them easy for anyone to not only understand but apply to their lives yeah because i mean we're we're called to be holy which means we've got to understand what that and all these other words mean right any last words that you have for the audience about deeply defined and understanding specific words in the bible yes don't be afraid of looking upwards. No, don't go to Wikipedia because there's no telling what Wiki is going to say. Right. But, you know, don't don't be afraid to, to dig into Scripture and really search out some things. And, I mean, please, use this book is meant to be a tool to help you and those around you that you teach, that you pray for, for your family, whoever, for you to be more deeply defined. And, and that's really my prayer for, for all of us is just to understand who we are in Christ. Right. Awesome. Well, I love the book. I think it's very timely, especially at a time when we're just so biblical illiterate in in our in evangelical churches today. So I thank you so much for writing this book as well as being here. It's JaniePitts.com. You can find her on Facebook as well as Instagram and Deeply Defined. You can find right on Amazon. Thank you so much, Janie, for being with us oh, today. Thanks for having me, Rachel. And... We all learned a cool new phrase, cool grits. Cool is grit. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's Unique on a Purpose episode. Whether you just became a Christian or maybe you've been a Christian for years, make sure to check out Janie's book, Deeply Defined, in the show notes. Don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on a purpose. You are loved, and because of Christ, you are have been made worthy. I'll see you right back here next week.